there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. I want us to go to the Word of God, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. And as you turn there, I want to speak on the subject, fire. Fire. Tell your neighbor, fire. Proverbs chapter 30 from verse 15 to verse number 16. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this moment. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30, if you're there, you say amen. From verse 15, the Bible says, The leech has two daughters. Give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four, never say enough. The grave, that's why you see we have funerals every day. And people are being buried. It's because the grave has, the grave has never said enough. Isn't it? In fact, sometimes when you go to public cemeteries, it's a very sad story. They are burying people on top of people. Somebody say mercy. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, do you know one day you'll die? Why didn't you finish that statement? Tell your neighbor one more time, neighbor, do you know one day you will die? What did they say? I pray that when you die, you will have a very decent burial. In Jesus' name. No such things people don't say, amen. But one day you will die. Or you think you're so beautiful you can't die. One day you'll die and maggots will feed on you. You will have a decent, nice burial. And you'll you'll have a nice grave, beautiful grave. You see the way you're looking at me. You don't like what I'm saying, but tell your neighbor it's the reality. Because the grave can never say enough. It's receiving people, and if Jesus delays or tarries, all of us are going to die. Amen. All of us are no, are going to do what? To die. It is the Bible even says it is wise to think about death. Because it makes you plan your life. And it makes you think strategically. Hallelujah. You're not happy. Look at a neighbor one more time and tell them, neighbor. In the future, you'll be food for maggots. Then another thing that is never satisfied is the barren womb. The barren womb also is not satisfied. Why? Because the barren womb is looking for a seed that can be planted in it. That's why when maternal instincts kick in in a woman's life, she really desires children. And she will do anything to get children. 
isn't it? It's because the womb is not satisfied. Yeah, the womb is crying, you know, for children. And some women can really go out of their way to get children. And they can really go out of their way to get children. And they can really go out of their way to get children. And they can really, really go out of their way to get children. And sometimes they can really, really go out of their way to get children until their husband or the husband raises a child that is not his. Anyway, let's move on. The Oi, the ladies are not looking at me. Yeah. The man thinks he's raising his own child. But the lady went out of her way to really, really, you know, get children because the womb is not satisfied. Another thing the Bible is mentioning is the earth. The earth is not satisfied with water. No matter how many times it rains, at some point, the ground will be dry and hard. Isn't it? You've seen our road that leads to the church. You know, when it rains, it's very muddy. It has patches of water, pools of water. And sometimes it's a challenge for you to really navigate your nice, small, low car. Isn't it? And then when it doesn't rain for a while, you go to the same road and you're surprised. It's dusty. Isn't it true? If you use Ndudi, you have to, first of all, visit. There is a structure on the far right. You know, you have to visit it to clean yourself. You know, one time I saw Pastor Rose come in. You know, Pastor Rose is brown. But when she came in, her brownness was interfered with. And I knew the road is serious. You know, if, if Pastor Rose with her light skin, I mean, can come looking interesting, how much more Pastor Renson? You know? <laughs> he will look like he has been painted color brown. But you can see the earth is never satisfied. No matter how many times it rains. You know, the earth will always say, I need more water, isn't it? Then the next thing that the Bible mentions here is, is the fire. The fire is another element that never says enough. That's what the Bible says here. The fire never says enough. And today I want to speak to you on the subject, fire. A fire that never says enough enough. Amen? Now, how many Christians do you know that were on fire? They were excited. They were passionate about God. But at some point, you could see that they lost the fervor that they have for God. How many believers that you know were full of excitement about church? Sold out for God. Happy. Excited, you know, 
preachings, worship, serving, all these things that happened in church excited them. But at some point, it's like they went down. They lost the fervor. They lost the fire. If your memory serves you right, you can even see them in your mind right now. You can remember their names, isn't it? The vicious cycle that we see in the church that is worrying is people who begin with fire but end up losing it. People who start very well, excited about God, excited about the church, excited about the ministry. They are very passionate about it. They are full of power and they are full of fire. But at some point, you know, it's like they fizzle out. And when you look at them, they look, at, they look like rather uh, a shell of their former self. Many believers, you know, begin with fire. Many believers get fired up, you know, when they enter the church, when they meet Jesus, when they start with God, you know, on this journey of salvation, they are really fired up. But years later, you discover that the same, same people who are on fire are not on fire anymore. They're the ones who are skipping church attendance. They're the ones who are skipping, you know, sick group attendance. They are the ones who easily give in, give in to temptation. And over the years, you realize that they have become lukewarm. Some of them no longer pray, no longer fast, no longer serve, no longer pursue God as they ought to. There is a man by the name John Wesley, is the founder of the Methodist Church. And he said this, and I quote, My fear is not that our great movement, known as the Methodists, will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire, the power, the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us great. End of quote. This was John Wesley who started the Methodist Church. And over the years, you can see that the Methodist Church has really changed. The Methodist Church that you see today is not the Methodist Church that was started by John Wesley. The one that was started by this great man, John Wesley, was full of fire, was full of power, was full of excitement. There was this supernatural element that was so visible in the Methodist church that, you know, we don't see in the Methodist church of this generation. So John Wesley was really concerned about the fire that was in this ministry. And he could see that the fire was being extinguished with the moving on of time. His greatest worry is my greatest worry today. I share the same sentiments for the church in our generation because the church in our generation is slowly losing the fire for God. It's slowly losing the power, the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us Great as the church of Jesus Christ. When you look at the church of a generation, it's slowly losing excitement, the passion for God, the desire to serve God. 
the oomph for prayer, the excitement, you know, to be sold out to God. We are slowly losing the fire and becoming cold or even lukewarm. And you see, what John Wesley saw concerning the Methodists is what is happening to many churches today. That we are not expressing the fire. We are not expressing the excitement. We are not expressing the passion that we used to have for God. I mean, there are people who are not even, I mean, they could not even miss church attendance. Now they do without a tinge of remorse. There are people who could not even skip, you know, attending the C groups on Thursdays. But now they can go for weeks without attending, without a very good reason, and they don't feel nothing. They don't feel guilty. They don't feel remorseful that they were not able to attend, you know, the C group. There are people, they, they could not be able even to miss a Sunday service. I mean, it was like, um, it was like they were on a default system or default settings rather, that every Sunday they were to be in the house of God. But these days they, they, can, they can go, you know, for months without attending, you know, a church service and they will feel nothing. We seem, we seem to be losing the fire. We, we, we seem to be losing the passion that we had for God. Uh, there's something that has left us, you know. There's something that we used to have which captured us, which captured our entire being concerning God that is no longer there. I pray with all my heart that this message will ignite a fire inside of you. That, that, that this message will resurrect the dying embers of love that you used to have for church, used to have for God, and used to have for church meetings. It's my prayer that a revival will be stirred up inside of you that you will take your commitment, your passion, and your excitement for God to the next level, that you will be consumed with the house of God. I like what Jesus said, that the zeal of your house has consumed me. I pray that the zeal for God's house may consume you in the name of Jesus. I know you have it, but I pray that it may burn brighter, the fire may burn hotter. You may be consumed with the zeal for God's house. And you may get back to that place where you used to demonstrate, you know, your love for God. You see, in the text that we have read, Solomon makes a very interesting observation about fire. He says that fire can't get enough. Fire, ladies and gentlemen, will never get tired of combustion. Fire will never get tired of burning. If you put anything where fire is, it will burn it. And fire can burn every day. Fire can burn for 24 hours, isn't it? Fire can burn for 48 hours, nonstop. So long as there is something for the fire to consume, it will keep on burning. Fire can never be tired. If you pour petrol every day on fire for the next 50 years, it will keep on burning. If you keep on pouring, you know, petrol on fire for the next 100 years, it will keep on burning. Fire can never get tired. As long as there is combustible materials, the flame will always be there. 
the heat will always be there. The fire will always be there. You see, when you look at some countries, you know, which struggle with wildfires, you realize that it is like, almost like a pandemic. It, it is a serious thing that requires resources from the government. And they employ people to actually fight fires. They take people to school to study how to fight fires. And they equip them with machinery, helicopters, and all these different materials that they need to use for them to be able to extinguish fires. Because the fires that break out in these countries, it is serious. People die. Properties are destroyed. I mean, trees are destroyed. An entire forest can be raised to the ground because of these fires. Because when these fires come, they even come with the wind. And the wind spreads the fire. And they have to fight the fire from the air and also from the ground. And these guys have to wear protective gear. And they have to understand the fire. I'm telling you, I was studying about some of them, how they fight the fires. It is a science. They have to study the flame. They have to study how they, you know, the fire is traveling. And so when they discover that the fire is traveling to a particular direction, they use another fire to go and consume the things that are on the path of that fire. So that by the time that fire gets there, there is nothing to consume. And so it has to die down. You know, when I talk about this fire, some of you are thinking is there's little fire that breaks out in your kitchen and then you go, and then it dies down. This is serious fire. It is a flame. It is wild. I mean, it is high. And it is raging. And it is moving at a, at a higher speed. So it requires a lot of science. It requires a lot of um, uh, technology. It requires a lot of studying that fire for you to be able to put it off. If you don't put it off, that fire will keep on burning. It can consume the entire country. Then it can move to other continents. It can actually destroy, you know, the world. That's why you see that even in hell there is fire. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell them, if you're planning to go there for lunch, be sure you will not come back. There is fire in hell to consume, to burn people there. Because fire is something else. And you see this fire that is in hell will burn for eternity. That's how powerful fire is. That's why I want to preach to you fire because I want you to acquire a certain fire. Because when you acquire this fire, nothing can quench your commitment to God. Nothing can quench your worship to God. Nothing can quench your prayer. Nothing can quench your service to God. No matter what happens to you, because the fire is inside of you, you will still do what God requires you to do. Receive the fire tonight in the name of Jesus. I say receive the fire tonight in the name of Jesus. This fire is a supernatural fire. It is a fire that will always make you all the time feel like you have not gotten enough of God. It is the fire that will make you feel like you have not gotten enough of fellowship. It is the fire that will make you feel like you have not gotten enough of worship. You have not gotten enough of the word of God. That's why you have to keep on coming 
You have to keep on coming for fellowship. You have to keep on coming, you know, to the house of God for, for Bible study. You have to keep on coming to the house of God to congregate with other believers for worship because the fire inside of you tells you the more you worship, the more I'm burning. And the more I'm burning, the more I need more. The more I pray, the more I start burning inside. And the more I start burning inside, the more I need more. Because the fire inside of you will keep on burning. I pray that may, may you receive that fire. May you walk in that fire. May that fire ignite revival inside of you for the things that you have neglected. Look at your neighbor and tell them, receive the fire. That fire will make you crave for more. Even your language will change. You will always say, I want more fellowship. I want more church. I desire more of God. I need more of God. I am not satisfied with only one service on Sunday. I have to show up on Tuesday for the prayer service. Because the fire inside of me tells me I need more. When you attend the prayer service, the fire grows bigger inside of you. Then you say, this fire, I have to keep on feeding it. And so you attend the C group on Thursday. After Thursday, you say, Friday, I have to be at Southfield to attend the Friday service. So the more you come, the more the flame is growing. And the more the flame is growing, the more you need it to keep on growing. Receive that fire in the name of Jesus. Lift your hand and say, I receive the fire of the Holy Ghost inside of me. John chapter 3 and verse 11. John says, indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. Somebody shout me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, but he will add something else. He will add fire. Hallelujah. I know you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there is another baptism. It is the baptism of fire. Some of you, your fire is flickering. is almost dying. Your passion is flickering. is almost dying. Your exuberance for God is almost dying. But tonight, I prophesy, may you receive the baptism of fire. I say, may you receive the baptism of fire. May the Holy Ghost baptize you with fire. That your passion for God, your excitement for God, your desire for God may go to the next level in the name of Jesus. Touch your neighbor and tell them, receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. My goodness, when this fire comes upon you, you will always look for opportunities to be in the house of God. When this fire comes upon you, you will always look for opportunities to pray. When this fire comes upon you, you will always look for opportunities to serve God. When this fire comes upon you, you will not wait for the preacher to tell you, say amen. Because as I preach, I am stoking the fire. As I preach, I am pouring spiritual petrol on the fire. And the fire will keep on burning stronger and stronger. Shout a louder amen in this house. Receive the baptism of fire. I set you on fire tonight. 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 Catch the fire tonight. 
Catch the fire for worship. Catch the fire for prayer. Catch the fire for serving God. Catch the fire for church attendance. Shout, I receive it. Hey. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I receive the fire. My goodness, when you receive this fire, you don't need anybody to remind you. Oh, you need to come to church. Oh, you need to attend C group. Oh, you need to pray. Oh, you need to serve God. The fire inside of you will not need external stimuli for you to be able to serve God. That fire will keep pushing you. That fire will revive you. That fire will start up a desire in you to be able to serve God. Somebody lift your hand and shout, I receive the baptism of fire in the name of Jesus. Sit down. So why is... Are you receiving the fire? Are you feeling it? Tell your neighbor, I feel it. I feel it. Why is this fire important? Number one, fire produces heat. Where there is fire, there will be heat. Do you know where there is fire of romance, there is a lot of heat? <laughs> Only the legions understand what I'm saying. Where there is fire, there will always be heat. You know, we have just entered into a very cold season. June, July can be very cold, isn't it? It's very cold until when you jump in your bed, you're wondering what happened before you came. It's like somebody poured cold water in that bed. Isn't it true? And so what is happening right now in this season, people are looking for heat everywhere. Hallelujah. Married couples are looking for heat every night. Umbaleo, <laughs> praise the Lord. Singles are looking for heat everywhere. People are buying heaters looking for heat, isn't it? People are litting jikos because they are looking for what? For heat. So where there is fire, there will always be, there will always be heat. Isn't it true? Singles, I'm praying for you in this season. It is not easy. I can see in the spirit how you sleep. The way you are folded in your bed and how you are hugging your knees. My goodness, may the Lord help you. In fact, somebody, if somebody comes to your bed, he will wonder if you are there. You have recoiled. You look like a sea. May God have mercy on you. <laughs> Everywhere, people are looking for him. Look at even the dressing. It has changed. People are wearing jackets. Isn't it true? Right now, if you go and wear, if you go and buy jackets, they are very expensive because they are going like hotcakes. So where there is fire, there will always be heat. Isn't it true? Why do we need heat when it is cold? It's because heat makes us warm. We feel warm. We are able to regulate the temperatures in our body because we don't want to shiver. We don't want to feel cold. That's why we go where heat is. We buy water bottles, fill them with hot water, put it in our, in our beds because we want to make sure that we are able to regulate our you know, temperature. So fire will always produce heat. When you look at Acts chapter 28 and verse 2, you know, Paul was in this uh, island 
of Malta and it was very, very cold. And Paul says, and the natives showed us unusual kindness. Remember, he was coming from a boat that almost capsized. It had broken into pieces and they just made it to that island by the grace of God. So by the time they were stepping, you know, on the ground, they were wet, they were shivering. They had all these goosebumps all over their bodies, you know, and, and the natives, the Bible says, verse 2, and the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Before they gave them food, they helped them to regulate their temperature because they didn't want them to die of cold. So where you see fire, it will always be warm. Because heat will be available. Can I hear an amen in this house? Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the world can be cold. But also sometimes the church can be cold. Hallelujah. Sometimes you can be in a church that is cold. Sometimes even a service can be cold. Very cold. The preacher is on fire. But the congregation is shivering. The preacher is preaching his heart in the spirit. But the congregation, they are just looking at him. They are shivering. They are cold. They, are, they have succumbed to cold. They are not responding to the preaching. They are not even catching the preacher. Because the preacher is operating on another wavelength. But I pray in the name of Jesus that this church will be full of warmth because of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you catching the warmth? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What did your neighbor say? Did they say yes? Or they, did they say, I'm trying? If you're trying, catch the fire in the name of Jesus. I say, catch the fire in the name of Jesus. Because it can be, it can be cold in the church. It can feel like we are going through a winter season in the church. All you see is snow. All you see is people who are shivering. But let me tell you, the fire of the Holy Ghost is still available. I say the fire of the Holy Ghost is still available. That same fire that fell on the disciples in Acts chapter, chapter 2, when they were praying, and, 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 and they, they could see the fire, you know, the fire, clothing tongues of fire resting on each believer that was in that upper room. That same fire can fall on us. That same fire can fall on you. Can I hear an amen in this house? Something can come on you. Fire can fall on you. Passion for God can fall on you. Excitement for God can fall on you. Because I need to announce to you that church is not a boring place. Church is full of life. A church is a place of destinies being changed and impacted and impacted. A church is a place where purpose is resurrected. A church is a place where life is transferred from the pulpit to the pews. Oh, so you can be here like a dead Christian. Receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. Receive the warmth of the Holy Ghost. May you come alive in the name of Jesus. Lift both of your hands and say, I receive it. My goodness. Tonight I'm on fire. Catch me if you can. I say tonight I'm on fire. Catch me if you can. Look at them and tell them, are you feeling the fire tonight? Oh, I feel a stirring in this house. 
Oh yes, I, I, you, your silence will not intimidate me. I, I feel a stirring in my heart. I feel like God is doing something new in COT. Fire is being rekindled in our hearts. If you feel it, shout yes as well. Sit down, Matthew chapter 24 verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most people will grow cold. That's why we need fire. This fire. We need this fire. Because even love can grow cold. Oh yes. I have seen people who are so in love, so in love, so in love, until they escort each other to the toilet. So in love. Yeah. But after years, the love becomes cold. Cold. Very cold. And they live like partners. Or roommates. Because the love has become cold. So love can be cold. Even in church, love can be cold. All of a sudden, everybody for himself. God for us. Oh, there is no love. There is no oneness. There is no unity. And it comes about because of the increase. Somebody say increase. Increase of wickedness. That's why we need fire. When we have fire in the church, there will be a decrease of wickedness. I wish I had a witness in this house. When there is a stirring in the church, it will result into the decrease of wickedness in the church. When you see a cold church, let me tell you, wickedness has increased in that church. People are not excited anymore. People are not serving God anymore. People are not attending meetings anymore. If you are a C group leader, leader and you see that the number is dropping and people are not attending, I want you to know that wickedness has increased in your small group. I'm preaching in this house. But I'm not getting any response from this cold congregation. When you start noticing people are not serious with the things of God. People are not showing up. People are not giving. People are not tithing. People are not serving. They are saying I'm taking a break. They are not taking a break. It is wickedness that is in increase. It is increasing in the church. People are not committed the way they are. They were before. Sold out the way they were. Something has crept in. And that something is what? Wickedness. That's why we must turn the temperatures. We must rise the temperatures. We must, we must turn on. We must turn on. Turn on the temperatures. Raise the temperatures so that wickedness may decrease. When, de when wickedness decreases, the fire of God increases. When the fire of God increases, wickedness decreases. So ask your neighbor for me, what is it that is in your life? Wickedness or fire? <laughs> when you see your fire is going down, by the I'm speaking prophetically. When you see your fire is going down, wickedness has crept in. Yes. Wickedness has started increasing so that it is even affecting your love for God. You see, the Bible says because of the increase of wickedness, the love, the love of them, 
The love of most will grow cold. That means even your love for God will become lukewarm because of wickedness. You don't pray the way you used to pray. Mm -hmm. You don't love God the way you used to love God because now wickedness has taken charge of your life. May you be delivered from wickedness. Even these people who come to church, pastor is preaching and they are quiet. It's a sign. Wickedness is increasing in your life because you're not excited about what the pastor is saying. The word of God does not excite you. There are other things that are exciting you. Diamond is exciting you more than your pastor. Oh yes. That's why when I preach you are like, what is he saying? Bend over. Excites you more than preachings. More than the word of God. It's because your love for God. Your passion for God. The fire you need to have for God. Is dim. And so wickedness increases. I pray. That the fire will increase. The fire inside of you will increase. I say the fire inside your heart will increase. And the wickedness in you will decrease. Number two. Hmm? Ask your neighbor, are you wicked? Number two, fire is a purifying agent. Fire is a purifying agent. Where you see fire, especially when they are dealing with gold, it will always purify, you know, gold. You see, gold is extracted from its ores, which are mined from the earth. And the gold obtained after the mining process is not pure. It has a lot of impurities. You know, it's mixed up with so many metals and impurities. So it's not pure gold. For it to be refined, it has, be to, it has to be subjected to a refinement process. So what they do, they take the gold scraps and they place them in a crucible or a container that can withstand very high temperatures. Sometimes they heat up the temperatures to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And so the gold melts at such a high temperature, it is then transferred to another container, leaving the impurities and other substances floating at the surface. So the gold that has been subjected to fire becomes purified. All the impurities have been removed. And when you handle that gold, it is real gold. All of us here, we have a lot of impurities inside of us. Some are visible, some are not visible. We have a lot of impurities that we carry in our hearts. Pride, arrogance, laziness, greed, all those things, stinginess, they are impurities. That's why you need the fire of God. Because when the fire of God is burning inside of you, what it's doing is, what, what that fire is doing is purifying your life. It's purifying you. It's taking care of greed. It's taking care. It's separating you from all these things. You see, the fire that the gold is subjected to, the purpose is to separate the real gold 
from all these impurities. So when the fire of God inside of you, because God is a, a, God is a consuming fire, isn't it? When the fire of God begins to burn inside of us and it grows, the flame grows inside of us, I'm telling you, it will purify you from all the impurities in your life. The Bible says <clears throat> in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 to 4, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver. Why will he purge them? So that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah in Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So God wants his fire to purify you because he wants you to offer an offering in righteousness. Not every offering is offered in righteousness. Think about it. The offerings that you offer to God, do you offer them in righteousness? And when you talk about offerings, we're not just talking about your worship. We're even talking about your money. Do you offer your money in righteousness? Because the monies that you offer in righteousness are acceptable in God's sight. And when it's acceptable in God's sight, then God will release a blessing. That, that explains why many believers even complain and say, I give, I give, I give, and I'm not blessed. Check your righteousness. Are you offering your offering in righteousness? That's why you need this fire to purify you. Have you had believers say, you know, I've been tithing for the last five years and my life is not changing question is, have you been tithing in righteousness? Because you can twerk and still tithe. Talk to me somebody. You're very quiet. You can twerk. Both of them begin with a T. You can twerk and still tithe. This side, you're very quiet. What is going on? Yeah. But will it be acceptable to God? Will God receive that tithe? Will God receive that offering in righteousness? He will not. That's why he says, I want you to be purified. I want to purify the sons of Levi. I want to purify my children. The way gold is purified. The way silver is purified. I want to subject them to the fire of the Holy Ghost so that they may offer their offering in righteousness. Hmm. There's no amen. What a cold congregation. If you can't say amen, just say, hmm. I pray you'll be purified. I say I pray you'll be purified. You will offer your offering in holiness. You will offer your tithe in holiness. 
That's why even before you offer, you should repent. Just tell God, oh God, I'm just about to stand before you as a priest. Forgive me. If there's anything in my heart, you can see, let your fire consume it. Forgive me, Lord, because I want you to accept this offering. You see, Abel sacrificed and Cain also sacrificed. But God only respected the sacrifice of Abel and he rejected the sacrifice of Cain. But both of them sacrificed. Both of them put an offering in the offering basket. Only one was blessed. I don't just want to put my money in an offering basket. I want when I'm putting my money in the offering basket, there is an invisible hand that is putting monies in the hands of God. Oh, Jesus, help me preach. Because the Bible says, it says men here receive the tithe. But up there, there is another one who also is receiving the tithe. Who is that? That is God. Men can receive here. But if it is rejected up there, no blessing will come into your life. So ask your neighbor, is your offering received twice? Is your tithe received twice? It needs to be received twice. It is received here by God's representative. And then it is received up there by God himself. Because the pastor cannot bless you. It is God who blesses you through the pastor. If he withholds the blessing, no matter what the pastor says, it will never come on you. Some of you need to lift your hands and say, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Because even the offering I gave in this service, I doubt if you have accepted it. It is true. Look, God says, I want to purge them. Go back. Where are we? He will sit as a refiner, who will sit? It's not your pastor. It's God. He will sit as a refiner and, puri and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the pastor, to the church, to be seen that they came forward to bring an offering and tithe. They may offer to who? To the Lord, an offering in righteousness. Because if it is not in righteousness, it is an abomination before him. He cannot even stand the smell of that sacrifice. Tell your neighbor, now I understand why I've been giving and nothing is happening in my life. It's because of my wickedness in giving. Tell your neighbor, don't be quiet. It's because I've been giving offerings in wickedness. Receive the fire. May the fire sanctify you tonight. May the fire sanctify every man in this house. May the fire sanctify those who are watching online. So that you may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. I wish I can go deeper. Jesus even said, you have your offering. Giving time is blessing time. Come to the altar, you come. Then he said, then you remember. Jesus himself said, he said, then you remember 
What do you remember? You remember that there is like a sin in your heart. You remember that there is a brother or a sister you fired Friday night. What did Jesus say? He said, it's better you even leave the offering. Don't give it. Go, go and look for that person. Make things right. Ask for forgiveness. Then after you are done, then come and do what? An offer. Because if you offer it in that state, the church will receive it. But up there, it will not be received. Tell your neighbor, I cha 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 cha. Tell them, you mean you've been this wicked? Because by this time you should be driving. By this time you should be living in your house. The tithe you have been giving, the offering you've been giving. By this time some of you will be married. Tell your, tell your neighbor, I see your wickedness. I see, I see your wickedness. That's where the problem is. Until now you're making pastors look like they're lying. has taught us about giving. He has taught about tithing. I've gone through the tree track. I've studied about tithing. I have given. I have given. And nothing is happening. Mm -hmm. I have an answer. It is your wickedness. Tell your neighbor, Sema kunaswa. I got you. The problem is not the word of God. The problem is not the teachings. The problem is this person who is bringing the offering, he's not offering it in, in righteousness. So here it is received. But up there, God turns his face. He says, I can't receive it. That's why I was telling you, be serious about your tithe and your offerings. Be very serious. Let, let me say, this thing works. Tithing works. Giving offerings works. You can't even say amen. But I'm... I, Tithing works. Giving offerings works. Do it correctly and see what God will do in your life. He says, bring all the tithes and offerings into my st the storehouse and see if I will not open windows. Where are the windows? <laughs> Where are the windows? In heaven. In heaven. Not the windows of the pastor's house. Not the windows of Southfield Mall. The windows of heaven. Why are the windows of heaven opening? Because the one who receives the tithe in heaven, he has received it and he is pleased with it. And because he's pleased with it, he says, let me open the windows of heaven for this particular individual so that they may receive a blessing. That's where the blessing is coming from. Windows, windows of heaven. Then he says, I will pour. It is God speaking right now. He says, if you do it right, these are the things I will do. I'll open windows. I'll pour blessings. You'll not even have room enough to receive. You'll become a delightful land. All nations will call you blessed. But because of your wickedness. Look at anybody on time. Just look at the wickedness around you. Tell them, now I see where the problem is. Yeah. Until some of you stopped giving, stopped typing, because you are saying it's not working. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. 
what he says is committed to it he just wants you to align with his word and you'll see the blessings of god upon your life hallelujah put your hand on your head and say lord have mercy on me number three from today you never joke with your tithe and you don't joke with your offering already as you are speaking like that even the one car window that was open he shuts it I pray you will walk under open windows under open windows number three fire is an eliminator of worthlessness it's an eliminator of worthlessness. To eliminate, to burn worthlessness in your life. Have you ever felt worthless before? Have you ever felt like you're the black sheep? Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? Have you had sometimes people describe you and they really, really like degrade you they say some very nasty things about you that make you feel worthless unimportant like you're good for nothing you have nothing to offer and it happens it happens it happens at family level it happens at family level it happens at the place of work people can have comments it's only that sometimes you don't hear what they say but if you can eavesdrop in some people's conversations, you'll be surprised what they say about you. And when you, ha when you hear what they say about you, to make you feel worthless. Some of you who are married, I wish you can hear the thoughts of your husband. <laughs> yeah? And some of you wives, I wish you can hear the thoughts. Or husbands, I wish you can hear the thoughts of your wives. Somebody just looks at you like kin. What they are saying about you in their head. Somebody say, Mercy Lord. Hmm? Have you heard people have you had people say, you know, this is my wife, you know, this is my husband, and if I'm given another chance to get married, I'll marry the same person. <laughs> there are people what they are saying and what what is going on here? What they are saying, they are saying for cameras. Yeah. But, but if you open their head, they say, who you? Ata nikilipwa. Even if I'm given for free. <laughs> Some even say, even if there, any, there is no other option, all the people in the world have been taken. And this one is the only one available. I'd rather live single. <laughs> and sometimes when you hear some of those comments, they can really make you feel worthless. Isn't it? Yeah. And some of you have gone through such experiences where people say nasty things about you. You know, when, 
when I finished Bible school, I, when I was preparing now to see what is my next phase in ministry, I remember before I left that Bible school, the, the founder of the Bible school called me. Um, she was a missionary who had come to Kenya and established the Bible school, called me, and, and she told me, I can see the calling of God upon your life. And she told me, I want to offer you a job. Why don't you work with us here? You know? And immediately I just said yes. I, I, I take the offer. And I'm willing to do anything that is required to do here. Uh, so she put me on staff. Now, but when I joined the staff, I met people who, have, who had been there for many years. You know? Many years. Some of them even taught me in the class. Let me tell you. We used to go for staff meetings and people could talk. They talk. This one talks, talks. Then when it gets to me, when I say something, you know, people used to talk and then after they talk, somebody comments on what somebody has said. And they comment on it very positively. But me, after I talk, they move on to another topic. It's like I've not even said anything. I remember there was a day where they were having a discussion about eschatology. And let me tell you, I don't know, by inspiration, I'd, I'd done a study on eschatology. A serious study on eschatology. Esch eschatology is the study of end times. I'd studied es eschatology. Yeah. Oh, Kumbe, I have people I can impress. Oh, uh, the Lord has had mercy on me. It's powerful. <laughs> and so when the discussion, I came alive in that self-meeting. I came alive when that discussion was going on. I came alive and I started talking to them about pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation with supporting scriptures and balancing it with what Jesus said. In the Gospels. <laughs> when I was done, they moved to another topic. <laughs> I mean, nobody was impressed. I mean, they were listening to me and they were like, what is this small boy? You know, say. Hmm? Yeah, this world is not... You have to fight for your space in this world. People can make you feel worthless. They can even make you feel like you're not anointed. Yes. Yeah. Then I was appointed as a, a, a worship, like pastor, you know, of the church. You know, I remember the pastor came to my house and announced... From today, you are the worship pastor. I said, continue. He said, I'm done. And he left. So I had to go and introduce myself. You know, I wish he even introduced me. But I went, I met the guys I told from today. <laughs> I am your leader. And three quarters of the worship team members resigned. Yeah. You know, even if you're anointed, you start asking yourself, this anointing, is it legit? 
You feel worthless. You understand? And many times we have those seasons that we go through things that make us feel, you know, worthless. But you see, the Bible says, I've quoted this scripture, but I'll quote it again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. The Bible says that God, our God is a consuming fire. Why is God, why is our God a consuming fire? It's because there are certain things in your life. And one of them is a feeling of worthlessness that God wants to consume in your life. That's why you need this fire. This fire is meant to consume any feeling of worthlessness. Because you can go through an experience and you feel worthless. You can be dropped like a hot potato and you feel worthless. You can be sacked from your place of work and you feel worthless. You can be given an opportunity to preach and you stand here and you begin and you say, praise God. <laughs> praise the God. And the English disappears. And everything just goes haywire. And at the end of the service, you feel worthless. You feel embarrassed. The book of Abraham. Because you're under tension. The story is about Abraham. And you really insist the book of Abraham. But you know you want to talk about Abraham. So instead of quoting the book of Genesis. Or they tell you, stand and lead prayer. Grab the microphone and say, I want us to pray. No, 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 no. Then you look at people, they are looking at you. Pray, 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 pray. But they're just looking at you. Because you, you, you are leading prayer for the first time. So they're checking you out. They're wondering, who is this? And you can feel worthless. But God is the all-consuming fire. Any form of shame, any form of worthlessness, may the fire of the Holy Ghost consume it in your life in the name of Jesus. Any feelings of inadequacy inside of you, may the fire of the Holy Ghost consume it in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder, amen. amen. Lastly, oh, I've even run out of time. This fire protects us from evil. It protects us. It's a protector. The way you have a protector for, your, uh, for, your, for the screen of your phone, this fire is a protector. Amen? Genesis chapter 19, when Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with wickedness, what did God do? God sent fire. The Bible says the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone, and fire, brimstone, and fire. He rained fire to eradicate evil that was, you know, in the land. Genesis chapter 3 verse 24, when Adam sinned and he was kicked out of the garden of Eden. This is what the Bible says, verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden cherubims and a flaming sword. God used fire to protect the garden of Aden, because he knew that this Adam, he has become very mischievous. He might want to come back, you know, and eat from the tree of life. So he put a cherubim there or an angel there with a sword. But this sword, Pastor Renson, was a sword of fire, telling Adam and his wife, if you come close here, we'll burn you alive. We will lynch you. 
Stay away from the garden of Eden. This fire protects. It will protect you from evil. The same fire that protected the garden of Eden from evil is this same, same fire that will protect you from evil. Can I hear an amen? amen? That's why you can see that the fire had to wait until Lot leaves Sodom to destroy it because the fire was meant to protect him by getting rid of the wickedness. You know, you know Lot had built his house next to Sodom. And, and, and it's like when the angel was trying to even tell him, tell, uh, uh, when the angel was telling him to leave, he, the guy did not want to leave. He was dragging his feet. You know, they came, the angels actually came and took him by force. Yes, they took him by force in a hurry to leave. And you can see even the wife did not want to go. She went to Lakini in her heart. The conversation in her head. She said, look at how stupid my husband is. <laughs> she did not want to go. That's why when she reached a place, she said, hey, let me just look at this place for the last time. And when she turned, she became a pillar of salt. You can see that the body had left, but her heart was still in Sodom. And so God knew, for me to protect, for me to protect Lot, I have to destroy the city. Raise it to the ground so that it doesn't have something to go back to. That's why some things God will destroy in your life with the fire because he knows those things have become your addiction. He will destroy those things. That's why once in a while God allows your phone to be stolen. Oh, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Yeah, once in a while he allows your phone to fall into the water. You try and resurrect and he makes sure it falls in the water when you don't have the budget for a phone. So you stay for a month without a phone. And that month, you are so spiritual. The time you used to go to Facebook, you're just saying, oh Lord, I worship you. I bless your holy name. I you become so spiritual. Then he says, I think my son has changed. Then he blesses you with another form. Then you relapse and go back to your terrible, wicked ways. You become like Lord's wife. Yeah? Once in a while, God allows, you know, a power surge in your house. Then you are watching the TV and you are watching Nigerian movies instead of watching our service. And then you see smoke. <sighs> it's the fire of the Holy Ghost consuming Sodom and Gomorrah in your house. Because this fire is for your protection. May this fire protect you. I say, may this fire protect you. May it protect you from evil. May it protect you from the wiles of the enemy. May it protect you from sin. May it protect you from succumbing to temptation. Somebody shout a louder, amen. Let me read this last scripture, then we pray. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1. Zechariah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Zechariah chapter 2, the Bible says, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And so I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem. I want to measure Jerusalem to see what is its width 
and what is its length. And there was the angel who talked with me, going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, who said to him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. That means there will be prosperity in Jerusalem. There will be increase in Jerusalem. May there be increase in your life and in your house. In the name of Jesus. Because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her. And I will be the glory in her midst. May the Lord be a wall of fire around your family, around your interests. As you increase in number, as you increase in prosperity, as you increase in influence, may the Lord become a wall of fire around you in the name of Jesus. May you experience the glory of God. May you experience the goodness of God. May God preserve what he has given you. May God preserve the prosperity that he, he will bring in your life in the name of Jesus. May he be a protector in your life for your family, for your interests, for your prosperity, for everything that you have acquired. May he keep you. May he keep the enemy at bay. May he keep the attacks of the enemy at bay. May his walls surround you. Shout a louder, Amen. I want you to clap your hands and give God a praise in this house. Lift your hand for a minute and just ask God for his fire. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost fall upon you today. May this fire be ignited in your heart today. May this fire be ignited in your spirit today. May this fire be ignited in your heart today. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Receive the fire. Catch the fire. Catch the fire. Catch the fire tonight. Catch the fire tonight. Even those who are watching, catch the fire. Right where you are, catch the fire. Let there be a stirring in your heart. Let the fire of God. 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 Let the fire of God purify you. Let the fire of God protect you. Let the fire of God keep you from the wiles of the enemy. Catch the fire of the Holy Ghost. Catch the fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, Lord. I need more. We need more. We need more of your fire. 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 May your fire burn. May your fire be ignited in the hearts of your people. May your fire be ignited in COT. May your fire be ignited in our lives tonight.
be ignited in us tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, Catch the fire. 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 Let stirrings take place in your heart. Let stirrings take place in your system. Let stirrings take place in your spiritual life. Catch the fire. Catch the fire. My God, my God, catch the fire tonight. Catch the fire for worship. Catch the fire for service. Catch the fire for prayer. Catch the fire for giving. Catch the fire for tithing. Catch the fire right now. Let the fire. Let the fire burn in you. Let the fire consume you. My God, my God, my God. for a minute. Open your mouth and speak in tongues for a minute. Speak in tongues for a minute right now. If you're not filled, open your mouth and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let cloven, cloven tongues of fire rest upon you tonight. My God, my God, my God.
souls be revived. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn in us. Let this fire protect us. Let this fire purify us. 
Let this fire eliminate impurities. Let this fire, Jehovah God, produce heat, warmth in the church in the name of Jesus. Let this fire become a wall of protection all around us. Thank you, Father. Let the fire of revival strike. Let the fire of revival burn. Let the fire of revival burn in your church in the name of Jesus. Let the flames of this fire be rekindled one more time in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise him like you have power and you have fire. You have passion. You have excitement. Come on, is that fire? Do you have some fire? Do you feel some fire? Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.